0: Welcome, welcome back to the Edgy Futurist podcast. It's 2024, Um, you notice there's two of us on stage, screen, stage, we're not even on stage, we're on screen, started as we mean to go on. Um, yeah, we're back, we're back in the seat, and uh, Steve, it's good to see you, my friend.
1: Yeah, it's uh, back with a bang, it's January 2024, bang. and uh, yeah, the, uh, the the gruesome uh, threesome has now a gruesome twosome, I guess.
0: Yeah, dynamic duo, somebody said the other day, I heard somebody say Dynamic duo.
1: They could lie all the want and try to yeah, yeah. smoke up his ass, mate, but it's just not true. But uh, we'll give it a good go. But uh, It might have favorite...
0: been me. I might have, I might have said it myself about us.
1: Yeah. The yeah. favourite two um, members of the of Futurists will maintain and, and will continue. Uh, yeah, I've well... got that. Somebody did write that. I've got it laminated on my fridge. The kids wrote it. It was wonderful. It was a nice statement. That they made <laughs> oh, <over>. thanks.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and I'm but, oh, look uh, at this. I'm triple merched up ready. Look at this. Triple merched up. In fact, actually, I've got my T-shirt on, but I don't, it's a bit skin tight, so I'm quadruple merged up. I'm, I don't want to show Not you that because
1: of the pies over Christmas?
0: Yeah, something like that. I'm on a new regime again. This is my 20th regime in the last two years. So, But this time it's going to stick because I'm going into my 40th year. Um, so I need to... Uh... Need to, to do something about it. It's it's uh it's good to be back. It's good to be back thinking about future of education. I know we've had a little bit of a hiatus and uh, we had a bit of a quiet time, but yeah, we've 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 joked about it. But me and Steve are going to be continuing the podcast over the next few weeks, months, years. Uh, Dan, uh, as many of you know, has. Um, he's flying as the ai educator all around the world 86000 miles he's done in the last 12 months um he he's speaking all around the world around the future of education particularly around ai um he's speaking at bets coming up uh speaking at fetc he's doing very very well for himself and we wish him all the best in that work but he just couldn't um align that into a regular podcast slot so um Mate, you'll be missed, and we are grateful for all the stuff you've done to help us get to this point. And uh, now, as we become uh, superstars, we won't forget you. Um, and uh, as we as we accept our MBEs and all that thing, um, we'll we'll remember you, and you'll be involved in our speeches and that. So yeah, uh, so it's just the two of us.
1: It is. It is. Did you have a good Christmas, Ben? We're yeah. Not really it was. Did the, the kids yeah, have a yeah. good one?
0: Yeah, really good. Can't complain. The kids are getting older now, so the presents get smaller and more expensive. But um, it was uh, it was great fun and a, had a nice nice break. And it slowed back into back into work. Uh, yeah, re- really good. And then uh, yours a little bit younger, aren't they, you, Steve? So I presume the magic is uh, he's still well and truly alive.
1: The magic is there, and the sleepless nights still continue. Holly, uh, we had a week. We thought we'd cracked it. We thought that he was doing well um, with his ears and everything else. And then um he the, the infection came back he's still obviously waiting for his operation and we got to it and we were like yeah so we're now two and a half weeks back into no sleep uh my wife's done the last two nights so i feel a little bit more human than i did at the beginning of the week but the cri- kids loved it it's not really rest but absolutely obsessed with christmas and ella keeps saying to me santa claus coming every night now uh, i'll probably get that for the next year until he arrives but um but yeah it is what it is and i'm excited we, we made a, a, a commitment, a target, and a new res- resolution in 2024 to resurrect, to bring back, to start season three of the Edgy Futurist podcast, and here we are. And you know what? I'm really excited for our first guest, yep. somebody that uh, well respected, um, somebody that I, I've that actually mentored me. John was my mentor as part of the the Google community, and I selected John. I wasn't given uh, John um good friend of ours and uh we're gonna be talking about lots of different things it's gonna be scattergun like we always do uh, we're gonna bring john in john Neal, um and john can introduce himself to anybody that doesn't know john but if you are in the uk or global let's call it that you must know who john Neal is you must know who he is uh, one for his TikTok tock dancers um and going viral on there or one for just being just a stand-up guy just one of those people that is just always there to help. You made the stand-up joke. You made the
0: stand-up joke. Stand
1: up. <laughs> <laughs> hello, hello, Ben. Oh, dude, How are you? Right? you? We brilliant, mate. How was your Christmas?
2: It was fantastic. We actually were lucky enough uh, after a few years of not being able to uh, to travel for a few reasons, and um, we went over to uh, to the states to see to see our family on that side of the pond, which was wonderful. So I had some a couple of weeks in New York down through the dc area so feeling rejuvenated and uh, ready to go for a smashing 2024 yeah 2024.
0: yeah love it love it that sounds great and i know that you were uh, sent sent me you sent me a picture outside the white house um, obviously you were just about to go and see joe and jill for uh, for a for, for a brew did they, did he drink yorkshire tea or do you know
2: well, actually, they—they were—they were kind of. I think, as we discussed, I think that it was kind of um, there was some sort of event going on at the, the White House. Um, I don't think it was an edtech do. Otherwise, of course, the likes of all of us would have been invited. Um, and can I just, just clarify as well? It is only the two of you because I only came on for the chance to meet Dan. So this is this is hugely oh. disappointing. <laughs> <laughs> yes, very very good, very, good but, very um, good. but I do enjoy the the possibilities of how you can you know rebrand as the dynamic duo. I just want to know, you know, quick fire question: Who's Batman and who's Robin?
0: Uh, I don't think you'd like to see me in either of those outfits. Good answer.
2: Good answer. Yeah, I
1: I just think about it. The Batman and Robin. It's probably more like the Del Boy and Rodney version (laughs) of it, just running over the hill. This Uh, time next
2: year. This time next
0: year, Steve. This time next year.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I think it's uh, it's one of those things. We uh, we, like I said, we we wish Dan well, uh, but I think let's be honest. a lot of people I spoke to over a regular basis when we kind of just said, we didn't say goodbye, we said, uh, see you later, see you soon. A lot of people say, why did you stop it? And, you know, we miss it and everything else. I was like, I miss it. Yeah. I miss it from a selfish point of view. Me and Ben were like, we miss it. Do you know? Let's continue. Do you know? I, don't, I know Dan can't and, and he's made a commitment and he's, and he's 100% supporting what we're trying to achieve, but um, there's still an appetite for it. And to get individuals on like yourself – uh, and, and share the message we've got some some great guests coming up i'm excited do you know mm. i think this is yeah. the thing where when your exam goes you have to refresh and, and reconsider what we're trying to achieve but me and ben joined about half an hour before you did john and we were like we're really excited yeah man. i was well excited by the end of it you know between the three of us we were churning out guests every week and we've just got we've busy lives and everything we just got tired didn't we, ben let's yeah, be honest we were knackered We're absolutely knackered and repositioning what what we want to achieve from the podcast and everything else that goes with it. So, let's for those people, I'd I'd be amazed. I'd be amazed. But, John, tell us (laughs) a a recent history of those people that don't know who you are that go in. John Hill, who's he? Tell us a bit of your story.
2: Well, first of all, everyone should know because I was back because I was on a podcast back in 2019. Um,
0: Episode 41. And, episode 41,
2: yep, everybody. There you go. Wow. I've got I've got I've got that tattooed on my on my arm as well, Ben. So that's good. That, that that's why I never forget. But yeah, and so, 70. Uh, I
0: think you've been on twice actually. Did you come on? Oh no, no. Actually, we talked to somebody else in episode 70 about you, but that'll come back later.
2: Oh, okay. Yeah. So um, but yeah, just you say, Steve. So um I've a very proud educator, as I know we all are. Um, teacher, school leader of 17 years, um, and along the way kind of fell in love with purposeful use of not only technology but just using tools in the right way to support not only what was going on in my own classroom but what was going on in the classrooms of my colleagues in school and as I think we're going to come to being able to share those things with the wider educational community and 2020 I took on a role at a startup called Moat and had lots of fun there kind of building uh, helping to build that that tool meeting some wonderful people along the way. Including some people from the team at Quizzes, and that is where I'm at now. And actually, starting this week, um, just as we discussed before we went on air, I am taking on. Really excited to be taking on the role of head of growth for the UK for Quizzes. So, if you're based in the UK and listening to this, please reach out. Uh, be really excited to uh, connect with as many as many as possible.
0: Yes, exciting times. So, more t- to Quizzes um, via. Lots and lots of education space before that, and and obviously many of you who are listening or watching this might remember John from being the face of uh, the Google teacher stand at Bet for many many years, weren't you, John? Though,
2: though, those those were the days. I think I think they're still called the glory days of the Google stand at Bet. <laughs> um, yeah, I had I had the privilege of working alongside. Um, people like ollie trussell dean stokes rachel Coteup, and lots and lots more um, both at bet but also SD too um, and i think that part of that that was really important for me um, was about making sure that when something was being demonstrated when something was being shared was that it was in a in a way that was telling a story and that was really helping to Um, guide those teachers that might be passing by or those school leaders really understand what could be done with the tool in addition to the the sort of wow factor elements um you know because i know i know that we've all over the years have been in those positions where we've had a great tool but it's finding a way that you can make that speak to the to the audience or even to the one or two people that you might have in front of you so that that was a real blessing for me though those opportunities to work alongside those great people to work with the team at google and and really understand how i could try and try and keep trying to refine the way that i was doing that
1: yeah and i think that obviously i i i i am in a a role that i've evolved into in terms of the the C learning work now and 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 in any conversation I have with software, um, so for example, Google Workspace, all this kind of stuff is, is, what does the tool look like? What is the benefit? But also the application, of context. I was speaking to somebody um, that we were we were looking to bring in to to the organisation, and I and and they uh, and this person said, "I don't think I'm the the most. I don't have the most technical knowledge. I'm not the strongest on this tool." And I was like. I think you're getting confused. The ability to use a tool to the best of the ability is very different uh, from one's ability to to portray how somebody else can use it and apply it to context. And the thing that I used to love about the teaching theatre, Ollie Trussell, by the way, absolutely, I think we've had him on the podcast and, uh, and, and, and things before, and I said he had a voice like chocolate. That man's delivery is ridiculously good yeah. because even in the role he has now, his ability to apply. And I saw him at um, a Matt PN event. I don't know if it's an independent school or HE. And he delivered a presentation on AI. And the reason I think it's the best one that I saw last year was the application to context of if you try this as a teacher, or if you think about this as an organization, and it wasn't the tool that he was demonstrating, it was his ability to to think about what the people wanted that were listening to him. So he was, his ability to speak to an audience, to demonstrate and to hold them to think, this is what you might utilize, and here's some examples of applying it to a context of a primary, secondary, or, or or an organization in your role. And I think some of the demonstrations were just like practice sets and the good old quick draw. Remember that good old amazing thing that Google created, was it, about 10 years ago? Yeah. I was like, this isn't new stuff, but the way you delivered it was exceptional. And you and Ollie, I remember standing there is when they had their little classroom badges and stuff like that and they were giving away all the little chrome badges at bet quite a few years ago that year. I remember sitting there thinking, wow, how on earth are those individuals doing it repetitively? Cause you must've been absolutely shattered. <laughs> it was delivering it. And every person I felt that turned up there, it was standing remotely because people were going, oh my God, I could use it for this. I could use it. It was that light in the spark of, of inspiration and, and how people could take a simple tool mm. and apply to a context of theirs. So, I don't know what I was even saying or where we were going, but I think I think it's an understanding of not selling to people, showing the art of the possible, like yeah. what Disney, have anything of saying, this is what potentially you, know, you could do. What do you want to do with it? What do you yeah. think you could do? I think he's the key, isn't it, of, of any tool or anything else.
2: Yeah. And I, think, and I think, Steve, that there's always that thing as well is, you know, you always hear that we only employ teachers or we only – you know we're all former educators but like but the truth is is there's a lot of different ways that, that can be interpreted you know um there's a lot but but you sort of instinctively i think you know i i've been out of the classroom for a couple of years now but i'm still as i said right at the top of the show i'm still a very proud professional teacher like you know it is a professional qualification and i think that you feel such a such a connection and such empathy with anyone who you feel has been in your shoes you know um, and that's not just like a day in front of a class; it's all that goes with that. And I think that when you hear someone like Ollie, um, or the, 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 there are lots of other people, but you know, on the subject of Ollie, is like he was always very good at positioning everything through a sense of a really quick story that would just resonate because he understood, and he was always he was always able to go back to those times, and you could see when he was in the classroom. And that's one of those things that I've always, that, that I've tried to do both in my time at Mo and doing some advisory stuff and going forward with quizzes is to make sure that it's always putting the teacher, the learning situation, the problems, what they're trying to achieve, putting that at the forefront of everything that you try and do. And one of the ways that you can do that is obviously through building community and through having conversations.
0: Yeah, so it's not about doing this this on your own either, is it? It's that whole conversation of we're better together collaboration the team and I know that that's been something you've been super passionate about uh, for, for many years all the conversations we had um, yeah. in the early days when I first started out on this world in this world was 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 very much about how we can how can we help each other and it's always about legs up and Steve talked to you about there earlier about you caught co- mentioning when he was doing his coaching badges and and whatever else and and what most people probably don't know that haven't been anywhere close to somebody like John is that um, John does a lot of hidden things in a background, little messages here and there, Have you you noticed this? Have you thought about this person? I'd like to introduce you to this person. Probably about five or six of the people that we've had on the podcast over the the last few years have have been directly related to, John said, you want to get these people on. Nick Ferroni, for example, Uh, Rob Horburn from from Agora School. These were all people that you recommended and put to us. But I think that comes from a, a willingness to not just be about building your own platform in your own stage uh, and your own name but you've been always that person who championed other people and that's been that's been kind of part of your community ethos hasn't it john
2: yeah i think i think absolutely and you know you mentioned nick and rob there and you know they are two very different educators um but they both bring such wonderful insight into their own positions and what's great about them too is that in their different ways the way that they help so, for example, the work that Nick Farley does in the U.S. to help raise awareness of the sort of struggles that teachers are going through is just fantastic. And if you don't follow Nick, then, you know, join the millions that follow him across socials. Um, and I think, you know, to go back to that point, Ben, like I I can remember a time when and we're talking kind of 2013, 2014 here. So best part of a decade. In fact, it is a decade. I remember we're in 2024 now. Um I, I can remember feeling a little bit burnt out wouldn't be the word, but I didn't quite know sort of where my best direction was suited. I knew that I loved being in education. I loved helping the students, working with colleagues, but I didn't want to go down the traditional route of, um, you know, depart, departmental lead or faculty lead, and then going into that. And, and it was at that point that I, from someone at my former school, um, I came across using social media and using Twitter. And I sort of realized that community doesn't start and end with the people that you are blessed to spend every day with. But actually, it's it's sometimes, and for me, I found it easier to connect with people. So I was a PE teacher at the time, uh, connect with people who were in a similar position to me, but might have been in Australia or the US or, you know, that wasn't to say I was ruling out people for, from from the UK, but it was really interesting how easy it was to sort of to organically grow an authentic community. And it always came back to that people's willingness to listen to each other's problems, to help solve those. And if we didn't have a solution there and then to sort of brainstorm and suggest ideas. And I think that that's one of those things that still inspires me uh, to this day. And there's, and there's so many great people that you can learn from, both in and outside of education.
0: I think I think it's um it would be remiss not to say thank you, I think, on behalf of uh, lots of us. I know that me and Steve both talk about this quite a lot, that somebody who's had an influence on us and who has championed us and supported us, but also um many, many others. Um so John, um this is not the end of the podcast, but I think that
2: was a lot quicker than expected. Brilliant! I'll be able to pick the boys up from yeah. school nice and early. Did yeah. we not tell you that we we, only, we do, but we're
1: back to twenty minutes, like the like season one, John. Just so everybody can listen to it and to back on I the like journey. It. But yeah. um, no, it's,
0: it's just but, saying. thanks, just, mate, I think that I think that's what I'm saying is uh, building a building an authentic community really does need people that aren't just about their own their own voice and their own nice. Um, okay. and, and we've we've seen a lot of that, haven't we? So you, you, we know what that yeah. looks like. So I don't know. We appreciate that.
1: You know, when we are in education, and there was always a buzzword, wasn't there? Differentiation, personalization. Yeah. There's always a different buzzword. I've, I've heard it, and I'm not saying it's a buzzword definitely here, but I want to unpick the term of what the real meaning is of authentic. Because I talk about authentic leadership. Mm. You know, I love leadership. People say, oh, it must be a nightmare. And I was like, well, just be uh, yourself, really, and try not to F it up. But when we're saying about organic and authentic community and all like we've just talked about let's be honest you've just had a thank you after 20 minutes ben Ben's never said thank you to me and I've been working with you for three about four <laughs> years but uh, but let's be honest people are thanking you you don't they don't have to but because it's authentic and because you don't expect and never do it because of expecting a thank you what does authentic mean to you in terms of community and also the role that we're doing because I think this is a bit that yeah. people the bit that people Talk about those a buzzword you'll see it on websites, you'll see it everywhere. We're setting up an but really, what does it actually mean? What what to you, what does authentic mean in terms of let's say community and the role that we're in?
2: Yeah. Um, first of all, I, I I'd like to return the the thanks and the gratitude for, for, for all that you've done for, for, for me over the years. Um, you know, and 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 obviously for the millions of people tuning in across the world. Um and in terms of that piece about like an authentic community, I think you know, that with the word authentic and looking to, you know, I think it's just being your kind of like, true self in the sense that when when you are when you are representing, for example, a company or you're demonstrating a tool, is to always keep in mind that, you know, the people who you are speaking to are very pressed for time. They're very busy people. They've got lots of stresses going on. And it's important to sort of cut through all the potential um, ways in which you can get sidetracked by things that might not resonate with them as much as that one thing. And really understanding that the, the different places that people are starting from and being able to just share. And in some cases, stop at that one thing that they can just take away that's not going to overwhelm them but they're going to be able to take and then use in their classroom can really help them to understand that maybe there's more to this ed tech than than just something that was happening in the pandemic, Um, you know, although it was very widely and usefully used in the pandemic. And when you extend that sense of authenticity to community, I think it's that same thing is where, you know, I've certainly been in, and as I know we all have been in ed tech communities where, initially, you're so excited to be part of finding your family or, you know, part of a tribe or whatever it is. But then, you know, in some cases, the the sort of gloss wears off when you can start to feel like, is this just posturing? Is this just people who are collecting badges and wanting to put on their various social media profiles? I am a member of a B C D E all the way to Z or Z, depending on the side of the, the Atlantic that you're from. Or is it about something a little bit more purposeful? And I think that you can really extend that as well. And and I was reflecting on, I remember when I first joined jo- joined Facebook. And I was sort of like, oh, I want to get as many friends as possible. And it's like that just d- doesn't mean anything. You know, <laughs> like that, that, that like, you know, and so often we can fall sort of foul of you know, going for as many, for example, on Twitter, uh, go for as many followers as possible, a community, you know, it's quite easy to say this EdTech brand, or this brand has, you know, let's say 40,000 followers. Wow, that's amazing. But the levels of engagement might be very, very small relative to the size of the community. Because for whatever reason, clearly that community doesn't feel as engaged as they might. And maybe that's the fault of, you know, the, the the brand itself. Maybe there's something happening, which is a bigger part of education at that particular time. But one of the things I try to do at Moat, and that I'll certainly try and do in, in my role at Quizzes, is to try to make sure that people feel that they get value from being a member of the community. That it isn't so much as what, the, what you as teachers and school leaders can do for the for, for for the company and for the tool, but actually the other way around. And I think that that's when it becomes really, you know, like a, like, like a really solid symbiotic relationship where there is participation and reward coming from, from, from both sides. But you can tell as well. You can tell those that speak from a place of wanting to help and wanting to really make a difference versus, you know, if you follow us, then this will happen or there'll be this reward or whatever. So I think it's just... And it can be hard as well and i think that that's why some people have maybe taken a step back from the kind of i don't even know if it's called twitter or x which is probably part of the problem with that but uh, but you can sort of see there's been a bit of a shift um in, in in people's activity levels on different platforms as 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 things have changed and i'm sure that certain amounts of that we could attribute to the pandemic and everything that happened there but um, it, it, it's something that I do spend a lot of time pondering and always wanting to make sure that I maintain as much as I can that sense of this is why I'm in it, you know?
1: Yeah. I think nobody wants to feel like an imposter. Nobody wants to feel like it's forced. Um, I had a conversation. Um, I was going to go into some lingo. Basically, on, on the other side, not of the other side of the pond, APAC. So Asia Pacific area, and somebody was talking about setting up a community. they wanting to branch out and and get involved. And they reached out to the edufuturist Futurist and said, is there any chance that you can just – we're wanting to – we'd love what you did with the uprising. We'd love what you've done over the years, continuously with the Edgy Futurist um, around the community that you've built. Um, we want to do a bit of that. Um can you give me some advice and can you spend half an hour, an hour, just having a chat with us? I was like, absolutely not a problem. You're happy to give up an hour to, to support anybody. Um, tell me a bit about yourself. Tell me a bit, of anything else. And the first thing I said is if you're wanting to do this just to make money, that's absolutely fine. And I respect it, but people will smell a rat. I said because if you're set, setting up a community to sell things only. was like the people in the community will say well what's in it for us Mm. ultimately if you're only doing it for your own gain then ultimately why would people ever want to be part of that community knowing that literally they're just part of a a way to make money and i think we have brought the edge of futurist back it sounds like it's been dead for decades it doesn't we we continue in the work for edge of futurist because it was ben and dan originally for a short period of time and then it became ben dan and me and now it's back to for the first time, Ben and me, it was never about building a, the the community that we have. It was never really about the event originally. It was just three mates that kind of att- I attended the event and I thought this sounded great. I presented and joined. We just get on. We're just mates who are trying to just share our experiences, get some wonderful people on like yourself, and just share their experiences. We're actually, let's be honest, through no gain of our own, for a long period of time, you know? We are starting to branch out in terms of sponsorship of podcasts, and that's what we're going to be reaching out to people and the event and everything else. We have to do with bits like that in order to keep it going. But it was never about uh, financial gain in, in that regard. Probably like the Joey Tribbiani and the Phoebe from Friends. There's all, there's never uh, something that you do without getting something back. Do you know, I can't remember what, what the term was, um, but um, but ultimately our community that we now have and we're and and we're really really thankful for everybody that listens and uh, attends and tweets and so many people have have said we're excited to to hear that you're coming back because it was just organic and it was honest Mm -hmm. and we just said you know what we just we've got a bit of a story we've got some opportunities do you want to do you want to listen and people made that decision themselves if they wanted to join Uh, and that's what i said i've said we'd never intended it to to be a a role never intended to be an income nothing about that was ever done for edgy futurist and i said if if that is not your avenue i'm probably not the person that you want to speak to because you're not going to get the truth of how you're going to make something successful and profitable from a community because that's what not what we did uh, oh, are,
0: are we not making it. loads of money steve i thought that's the reason why i have that push out there <laughs> <laughs> do
1: you not have one, do you, do you not have one? Uh, well i keep you keep Cashing all the checks, mate. I just don't have an opportunity. So whoever whoever cashes the check first gets it. And Ben's done it for many, many years now. And uh, and and that and that's, that's a joke, by the way. If anybody yeah, from it, that a been pool that Ben's put into his garage and his garden. You know, let's not talk about those kind of charities on this podcast. But uh, we just did it because we just wanted to do it. And I think people helping people is 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 the best way that you can do it. And whatever that is, whether that's time, whether that's stories, whether that's knowledge, whatever that is, I think beliefs and values and going back to that term of authentic doing it because of these things as long as you're honest about why you're doing it i think people have a decision of whether they want to join in or not if you try and basically fudge it and say this is the reason i'm doing it it's not for that reason it's not authentic and you'll get found out
2: yeah and i think um i think that uh you know um I, i actually put a post onto linkedin like a month or so ago that was about um the kind of the slightly strange situation we're in, in which community can mean different things to different people, you know, and I think, you know, one of those, one of those things, as I said, could be a simple metric of you have this many followers on Twitter, LinkedIn, whatever it is, but actually the only real community that matters to school leaders, to your kind of, you know, typical teacher. Um, I don't I, I don't want to say average teacher there's no such thing as an average teacher. there's no such thing as just a teacher but the the most important community for school leaders, for teachers, for parents, etc is their own community. And I think that if the, you you kind of blur the lines between what a community lead might be between like that you know oh hooray for 50,000 followers, you know, you've got a school leader. They're saying, "So what? Like, I care about the the twelve hundred and fifty learners that I serve on a daily basis, and that I'm trying to get the most for them." Like, that's you know, they're they're. I'd go as far as say that they literally couldn't. Trying to choose my words carefully, they they couldn't care less about uh, about that. And I think that that's so important. That's so easy to overlook. And one of those things that you mentioned as well is. Um, due to I'm sure a number of a number of factors teachers school leaders whoever governors they're so good at sniffing out when someone is speaking at a less than authentic position and if they're posturing unnecessarily like they have very high uh, BS detectors I would say is so I think that that's always something to be very mindful of is that you know those like first impressions and things like that like really matter um so uh, yeah you know hat, hats off to anyone that's that's doing it as well as you guys are and to all those sort of people that are that, that are doing it for the right reasons in the right ways i'm sure that are getting those wonderful results and warm feelings inside
0: yeah absolutely and i think you've been you've done that successfully as well and I'm hoping to continue that into that new role at quizzes as well um and We've mentioned we've pinpointed the idea about being authentic. Is there anything else that you would suggest is important as a feature of, of uh, that authentic community? How do we how do we build a community that isn't just about getting the most uh, followers, getting the most people yeah. using it, making money, blah blah blah? All, the, all them things are might be secondary. They're all great things, yeah. but they're not the primary focus. What what other things do we need to think about, John?
2: I would say feeling heard is really important a sense of trust um you know uh, when you're part of a when you let's let's say for example that i become a such and such certified trainer and i'm and i'm in that particular group and what i want is to be able to have really valuable discussion that i can then take away and learn things i can then serve my own community with and I also take great pride in being able to help other people with, with, with that sort of role. So I think any community that really supports and empowers people to have those conversations where people are chipping in and sharing ideas is brilliant. And I would say that you're much more likely to get sustainable engagement when it comes from that place, as opposed to the random, you know, uh, it, the, the, you need to, uh, you need to retweet, comment and like and whatever, and then you might win a pair of socks you know i think that those, those those things are great like everyone likes socks um but it, but it's being able no, to no, actually steve
0: doesn't like socks you know that okay. steve doesn't wear socks
2: oh that's true actually <laughs> that is like, i'm i'm literally speaking to the worst person in the world when it comes to socks um but 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 i just think that 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 is that that is definitely that that, that that's a truth in that you know wanting to make sure that there is that um real appreciation of feeling feeling that your voice is heard you know google do a really wonderful thing where you know through google classroom you can click on that little question mark button you can then submit feature requests and feature feedback and then if and when they're implemented you then get a nice email that thanks you for that idea and i would say that small things like that really really do matter and i'm sure there are countless other examples but that's one that you know stands out to me
1: Just on that one, if anybody wants to win a pair of socks, uh, no, I'm just (laughs) joking. The reason I show this is every year, I'm not going to name the person, somebody sends me, as a joke, a pair of Google socks. Uh, They must spend a fortune. If anybody's been on the Google merchandise store, they're the most expensive things that you can buy in the world. Why would I wear, if I'm going to wear socks, why would I wear Google socks? I'd wear them every year. I'd wear them. Every year, somebody sends me a pair of Google socks. In my drawer, I've got. Probably about six pairs of Google Socks. Bring them to me. Bring
0: them to me. I love socks. You've, got, I you've already got shocked. your
1: you've already got your Google TV on the know if You know, for your Christmas <laughs> present. That's, no, come on. I don't know. I, that I got Christmas 2024. It. <laughs> it will be, it will be. Uh yeah. So I just hope, it,
2: I, it. I hope it's not gonna be a jam board.
1: <laughs> well uh <laughs> well whoever's got a jam board there is rumors that you're gonna get some really expensive kit as a uh, Oh as a wow. Menu. Yeah, everybody who's got one leads it to college. Uh, hopefully, you're listening. Uh, you've got about 15 because I was there at that time. Uh, there is talk that, or anybody that had a jam bot is going to be replaced by a new screen.
2: Wow, that's not 100
1: confirmed in terms that's of a my big move.
2: This, this that's got a topic,
1: big move. But I'm almost that I have seen that. Uh, hopefully it's not under non-disclosure because I'm really in trouble after this call. But, uh, <laughs> but also, maybe it is. Oh my god, the lines are blurring. I need to quickly steam back and everything else. But yeah, just
0: just while you're recovering and digging yourself out and, and checking whether that was under NDA. Um, uh... <laughs> <laughs> John, tell us a little bit about the role at Quizzes. Obviously, head of growth, and there's obviously going to be community elements there, but yeah. talk to us a little bit. Nine, 99% of the people who are listening to this will have heard of Quizzes, yeah. um, obviously a, a household name from an education perspective, but uh, give us a little bit about what you're going to be doing there, if if, if that's all right.
2: Of course, yeah, no, re- really excited. So I've been actually doing some advisory work for them uh, for the past few months. Um, and that's been largely focused on events, building community, looking at partnerships in the US. Um, but this role um, is going to, be, it's going to be exclusively focused on things here in the UK. So it's going to be looking to build community, looking to grow usage, looking to help people adopt the tool in a way that is, you know, more than just like creating your first activity and then moving on. But finding a way that it can become part of a really positive and purposeful way in which teachers can leverage a tool in their classrooms. So if you're new to quizzes, it's everything from quizzes to lessons. Um, there's there's a library of tens of millions of resources that are out there that you can search, that you can use. And also in the past half year or so has really leaned into the power of AI to make a, make a tangible difference in that in the activity creation process. So you can jump onto like a YouTube video, tap a Chrome extension. Within a couple of seconds, you've got a quiz. You can transform existing Google Slides, PDFs, articles. You can do all that same thing. And using AI, you can convert them into some really, really engaging activities. And I think one of the things that I'm most proud of about quizzes is that it is really fun it's engaging it's it's all of these great words but also the focus is on student mastery and making mastery accessible for all it is not just about going through a bank of 10 questions how fast can you do it do it again congratulations you've improved you've done it quicker like that that's not what it's about it's about trying to help students actually more than just go through the process of a quiz or a test but Using a variety of features, how that can actually become what what we would probably call as educators like real learning, like it isn't just a regurgitation of something that you've just read on a whiteboard. I almost said blackboard, um, but like, but but that's something which is, you know, you know that your students, if you came back to them, you know, a couple of weeks, a couple of months down the line they would have much, much greater likelihood of being able to retain that information and tell you in a way that was in their own words other than perhaps if they might uh, through other methods.
1: Love that. Just just one thing. Ben, I know you're going to come back in. Sorry. Do you want to, do you want to go first, Ben, before I take it somewhere else? Uh, yeah, whiteboard, blackboard, same thing, just a different utensil to, to write on it. How much uh, education has developed and evolved over the years, the irony of just standing in yeah. front. We now have interactive versions of it. Um, and anything else but still standing
0: support. at the front
2: yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, must, you must stand at the front i think that that is the that that is a prerequisite of any great teacher is stand at the front go go for the sage on the stage no do not go for that approach that that's Are you certainly going for the
1: new education minister you sound like <laughs> yeah. a proposal uh is and, this, um, this another
2: job interview yeah yeah precisely but yeah so what whilst i will have a uk facing role if there's anyone who's not from the UK, but still interested in finding out more, then please, or just want to connect about anything else, then please, you know, give me a shout.
1: Uh, just on that final shout out for, for quizzes, uh, uh, have you got a stand? Are you there at that?
2: So, uh, we do not have a stand, um, but we're, I actually just had confirmed yesterday that going to be, um, I'm going to be back on the Google booth. Um, going I'll to see you be there, John. To... I'm there too. <laughs> oh, Amazing. Um, I'll be walking past, so I'll see. I'll wait. <laughs> so I'm going to be, He'll be delivering. His socks. Um... He'll be wearing his socks. He'll be wearing his Google socks. Perfect. Shirt. I hope so. And uh, so I'm going to be delivering a, a, a couple of two hour demonstrations on using quizzes. It's going to be obviously delivered through Chromebook. And then I'm going to be joining a panel on. A discussion around using Chromebooks for creativity. So, one of those things that you can do using quizzes is you can use it for higher order thinking. So, drawing, audio response, video response, etc. And as we all know, I love a good video. So, uh, really excited for that.
1: Just, just on that, the title. Uh, when I, when I, uh, I've been in the, role, the new role I'm in. It's not a new role anymore. Two and a half years. And I remember talking about growth, and I said to to the board, and I said, "What does growth mean?" Are you talking about profits? Are you talking about revenue? Are you talking about all the stuff that I didn't really understand as a teacher? Mm. Uh, I now deal in quarters and ass and everything else. But that title growth is, I suppose, is a massive thing because it could be users. It could be not growing in users, but it could be the utilization of every person who already has yep. them. group, It could be the the learning element for every user. The learning that the teachers learning in terms of their growth, in terms of their understanding of the tool. I think it's a great title. It's a massive one. But well, I think it's exciting because ultimately you can demonstrate growth in, in many, many different ways. And as long as they've not put too much metrics on you, you're to a winner, John. So, <laughs> <laughs> There's nothing you um, can lose.
2: <laughs> yeah, no, I think, and I think one of the things is is that that as you said, quizzes is one of those tools that's like super well established in the US. And there are lots of people who are uh, who I'd say are kind of edtech folk in the UK and other parts of the world who are very much aware of the tool. But I think that one of the great opportunities is to Uh, for someone for a tool like quizzes and there are certainly others like it too is to really help through storytelling through empathy through through authentic engagement is just show that there are ways in which tools could and probably should be used in classroom for everything from the kind of you know leveling up student learning but also really importantly being able to give teachers back some of their time because it's so easy i mean you can't avoid seeing how you know awful the hours are for sort of teachers you know working relentlessly through the holidays through the weekends etc so you know trying to choose your tools putting ed before tech etc and doing that in a way that that matters I think would be the best foundation for growth not only for quizzes but for 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 anyone looking to um, pursue that particular lofty goal
0: interestingly um did you come up with the title yourself because i remember the reason why i ask is we had louise jones on uh who obviously does some work with Thinglink, who you know really well from her time at google as well and she she wrote her own job title which was social purpose and community manager which was very louise mm. um or was heather growth an actual job or did you make that
2: no it it was actually so it it was more based upon i think the ambitions of um quizzes to um you know develop a purposeful footprint you know to have something in the uk that wasn't just as you say steve wasn't just numbers of teachers wasn't number of activities completed but was you know listening to those users that there are tens of thousands of users currently but it's not like the kind of 90 percent penetration there is in the us Um, and i think is is trying to you know I, I I was very, very open to sort of any and all ideas of a title, to be honest, Ben. But um no, this was something that one of the co-founders was very much behind, felt it was a suitable title. And um who am I to disagree?
0: Totally agree.
2: Totally agree.
0: <laughs> now you mentioned let's subtly there around um videos, <laughs> and you mentioned a few weeks a few moments ago about social media and the power of social media. Yeah. Now um for those people who are listening and don't know this side to John's story, John is a TikTok guru. He would say not. He would say not. No, I would say is. I am.
2: <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So John is. Uh, you tell us a little bit about your uh, use of TikTok and experience yeah, so, around
1: TikTok.
2: Yeah. First of all, I I would say that I'm most definitely not a TikTok guru. Um, I really like and I fell in love with the idea of not not TikTok but the idea of short form storytelling vertical videos is seems to be the path that that's taken but that sort of quick almost elevator style pitch which is something that I've been reading about a lot and I think that being able to equip not only our young people that are in our you know Uh, educational systems across the world but teachers and everyone to be honest with a with a skill set that includes storytelling and powerful storytelling at that in a time when attention spans are you know next to nothing I think that there are I've I personally think there are few better platforms to experiment and explore uh than TikTok um and I don't mean you know for the sort of funny dances and all that sort of stuff um although I'm sure there are some people out there that do some wonderful dances, and that's great, and good luck to them. But my, the, the way that I've explored it is through just things like a hook. And I think back to my time as a teacher in how would I use that now? Because effectively, when you go into that classroom, almost that first you know, few seconds, certainly minute, that is your sort of hook. and And, and that affects so much, whether it's, the the attention of the learners that you have in front of you, whether it's your own focus, whatever it is, I think that there are so many parallels between understanding how to create and craft a really engaging video, you know, one of those things with the algorithm on TikTok is you are rewarded for the for the longer amount that you can or for the longer proportion that you can keep people in your video interested in whatever it is that you're producing. So I think there are certainly ways that we as educators, um, and should I ever go back to the classroom, that that would be something that I would, you know, always try to make sure is that there isn't like a a lull for half the half the lesson when everyone's gazing out the window wondering like why are they there, but rather what are they getting from it. And uh, so yeah, I I've explored everything from a edtech channel to uh, I've got a Kerber Enthusiasm fan page, and then the one that's done remarkably for me the best is actually a classical music page which is just knocking on the door of seventy five thousand followers not that we worried about metrics but bearing in mind it took me a decade to get four and a half thousand people even remotely interested in what i was saying on on twitter and it and it it took me about six weeks to get to that number on tiktok i think it's all it's all learning ben i know i know I've, i've spoken with you both before about you know and i can see various ed tech companies are going into the space of how do you make something funny without it being too cringy but also the low fidelity model seems to be the way forward and uh yeah likewise anyone's got any groups or discussions going on please involve me um not for the dances um that's not a site that you would want to see but for, for any other element please uh loop me in
1: it's a really interesting one, isn't it? And and let's link it fully to education. So I was having a conversation with um, a friend of mine who isn't in the edtech space, isn't even in the education space. Has got children a little bit older than mine. My my, my little boys too on Tuesday. Uh, um, Many happy returns. Holiday. Yeah, uh, second Bloody birthday hell. and Ella is three and a half.
0: How was that? How is he two already? That is mental. I know, I know.
1: he's still not slept. So two and two years in. This is why I look like this. Uh, but but just think about that. We were talking about the future of education, but also what education looks like now. If you think about not necessarily TikTok and everything else, but if you think about, <laughs> and I was telling a story about my daughter. She she's obsessed with YouTube kids. These people, and, and, and I had, heaven forbid, I I, I Googled two of the uh, two of the families that she watches. And I was like, that person, they're making 250 million pounds a year. I was like, <laughs> how did that happen? I was like, I'm in the wrong business. But anyway, so I was looking at it. And as soon as it comes up, my daughter's like, there's an advert. I was like, Ella, it's four seconds. And I told the story to my daughter. And I said, Daddy used to watch and get to watch one episode a week. She doesn't understand days, weeks, times, and everything else. So it was irrelevant. She's like, Dad, why are you even telling me this boring story? But I was saying, I was trying to explain to her. I only got to watch it once. I had to then wait a long period of time. And during that one hour that I got to enjoy it, there's probably only about 35 minutes of 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 watching something. And I had to, I, I had to wait so long in between what you're classing as a as a time frame. I, I could make a cup of tea or lots of different things to keep myself busy before I could watch it again. But my daughter was three and a half, and many of the of the ed- people, the young people that were now teaching, not the teachers, because they they learned in a very different way and they also absorbed information and watched mm. things in a terrestrial way, normal TV, five channels or even four channels. We're now in a streaming world where if there's an advert, you can watch the full advert, but you can skip it. How do we apply that to education without going in for, for we probably could spend about five yeah. other episodes on it? But we really need to think what you're thinking about in terms of that hook that short video that short snap of information but we're not we're not delivering in that way of way that they're consuming information we're delivering in the way that we used to consume it, and we're creating content for our young people in education based on our beliefs and the way that we consumed information rather than the way that they want to consume it uh, i think that's a real challenge for education right now isn't it and i think a lot of educators say well like, like you know we need to we need to do it in this way i just i think it's wrong because my daughter's saying four seconds of an advert is yeah. too long i'm bored
2: yeah she's right that's way too long <laughs> yeah
1: but can, how, how, do, how how does a teacher create an hour's worth of content if that's going to be the future where our lessons yeah. still exist we're actually the length of each snippet of, of learning is 30 seconds then how how do we how do we shift it or how do we evolve it because um, yeah. I used to, you know, Christmas time, we've just had it. I used to watch Kez. The teachers used to roll out that TV and yeah. it used to be plugged into a wall. And they used to watch a whole episode of Kez. I'm from Yorkshire, still love it. And I'll sit through Kez. But those days are gone, aren't they? Do you know what? Like, do you know how do we provide information and learning opportunities in that really tiny nano second of, of, of because our children are impatient and curious to to quickly move on from it? How do we how do we do that in education, I think? Um not for asking for a resolution, John, but what are your thoughts on it, I guess?
2: Um, I think it's definitely important to to take note, isn't it? And um it's interesting that you kind of say, you know, there's there's a sort of divide between young people and people more of our age. Um that that the the rolling TV generation. Um but that that being said, is I I do still think, even if you're delivering, let's say, a professional development session, that you still need to be very much more on on your sort of engagement game from the off than perhaps you might have been even as recently as five or ten years ago. Because you know, my experience is actually sometimes the worst in terms of people that are being attentive are are adults. You know that this isn't like you know they're they're actually more inclined to be. Oh, let's have a quick check of my email and you know, scrolling through. And, you know, uh, TikTok is just a platform, like, but I think that that, that that whole idea of being able to, as teachers, as educators, as students as well, is be able to break down an idea and actually hit with the hook at the start, like, this is the thing, like, you know, rather than starting off a video with like, hi, my name's John. And, you know, people have already lost interest. Goodness, they hear, they see me, they hear me. And they, I mean, like, I'd flick on to the next video, if I were them, you know, but if you're actually straight away, if you're hitting someone with like, I know, this is a problem that you're facing, or wouldn't it be cool if, you know, then I think people would probably be more inclined and you know, there are probably things and I'm sure there are people I know Holly Clark in America does some great things with with TikTok. I'm sure there are some people that are developing really powerful courses for teachers on almost like I could almost see the session now at the sort of future ISTE or whatever of, you know, teach like you're on TikTok or, you know, where it is based upon almost dividing up as you would a video, which is like solid hook, something to kind of, you know, three little checkpoints that are easily achievable, and then, by the way, just do this. You know, um, so being able to have that in a classroom, I'm, I'm maybe not suggesting that lessons should be one minute before we move on to the next class. That would be absolute chaos in any school. But maybe there are ways in which we can, as you say, Steve, like maybe an hour, maybe 40 minutes, maybe however long it is, it's just, it's just an arbitrary number, number that's a hangover from... Previous generations of a slightly different educational system that, that that was you know I mean it's sad to think that the excitement for many of us was the the moment when the cupboard doors open and out rolled the TV you know like hooray you know I get to watch Tom Hanks big for the well, however many time but um I did watch over Christmas I need to go back to that what a wonderful you, film you that did. is by the way um, but I yeah think we'll like, get, I we'll think that's get
1: get very
0: Sorry, we only ever watched that like half an hour of a film, though. Same half an hour. Yeah, wasn't it? You're right. You never get to see it
2: then. You never. Yeah.
0: Watch, I never knew how Bruce Almighty finished. Like, I just, <laughs> just just realised I watched that first half an hour every 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 lesson.
1: <laughs> it's an interesting one. Should we do? We're we bringing something new in uh, at the end. Uh, some quick five questions that we're going to ask all guests, um, and we're just going to um, we're not going to go Bartlett on everybody. Uh, apologies we're not up to that level yet where leave a, a, a question that we're going to ask for the next guest or anything like that but um i suppose first one is what do you think or do you think the whole thing of dan uh would would shudder at this but do you think uh ai will replace teachers what what's your thoughts quick
2: fire um if i were to be like really trying to get people's back up i'd say of course it will you know um, but if I were to actually think as an educator myself and also someone that takes a lot of pride in that craft and the personal connection element, then I'd almost say, well, there's no way that AI can replace a good teacher. Um, I think that, that those teachers that will excel as we look forward will be those that, just as they do with all tools, will look to integrate AI in a way that best supports what they're doing and the way that they teach and the way that they try and engage their learners. I think that if someone were to go all in and try and replace themselves with an AI bot, I think that would be an interesting experiment. But I'd imagine that those things that really matter from face-to-face interaction, being part of that, even if it's just a classroom community, I would like to think would be lost almost instantly with a with an AI of any sort. However you might want to badge that up as, a oh, we've got a robot coming into the class. You know... um, I mean, I think we could probably all think about teachers that maybe we've worked with before or even been taught by who might have a bit of a like a robotic delivery style. But um, no, I would think that teachers, good teachers, passionate teachers are some of the most safe people in the world when it comes to like having job security in the face of very changing and challenging times.
0: Love it. So AI won't replace te- won't replace good teachers, but it might replace bad ones.
2: <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. I mean, those are your words, Ben. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: I, just going back, I found my first presentation just on this quick one, 2014, and the first slide was: technology will not replace teachers, but teachers that use technologies will replace those that will Yeah.
2: There you go. Does yeah. that apply
1: to any context? And is AI any different, or actually, is it just a great tool if you use effectively? That teachers yes. that use it effectively will bit of longevity and will last exactly
2: out so. anybody
0: yeah. that doesn't. So, uh, second, second quick fire question. Future exams. Obviously, in the quizzes world, uh, we could have gone down this in a conversation. Future exams. It's an edgy futurist uh, yeah. bugbear. Future exams. Online? Traditional? Scrapped? What do we think?
2: Um, I am not a fan of exams. Um, uh, I think that maybe they have some sort of Sort of a role to play, but I think for them to be the be all and end all of, you know, someone's toiling away in in the class and in school for twelve years, and it's all judged upon, you know, a, a ninety minute sit at a desk and answer something. Surely there has to be a better way of doing things. And one of the things I actually, I, 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 I you know, as I do, I, I find myself uh reflecting on various things. I was thinking the other day about. You know, I I know there were things that weren't ideal about this, but but in the pandemic, we we had to find another way to do things, and on the whole, things were based on trust. And but bearing in mind that no one had had any training on how to do this and how to actually give grades that weren't from, it, it seemed to to me, it seemed to be okay, you know. And for us to just totally abandon that and just to say, well, that was something that we did during COVID and whatever, it just seems a bit of a cop out, like. I, I know that it wasn't perfect. And I know that there are probably some people that gave two high grades and others that probably went the other way. And certain students have been hard done by and others are in the other position. But surely there has, to, there has to be a way in which we can you know, reward students that may be able to... We've all had those that can, in a classroom discussion, contribute beautifully, able to debate fully and really understand the intricacies of what's going on. But when they're faced under that exam pressure... For whatever reason it's just not their thing so i would really hope that and it's going to take a brave group of people maybe it's a few universities maybe it's some like further education institutions maybe it's some 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 companies who are sort of taking a stance and saying actually we know that you're doing exams and this is what we value as much even more so don't worry if they weren't your thing um but uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm for my own children who are ten and seven now. I'm 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 excited for a future in which, and I hope it comes sooner rather than later, in which they could be rewarded as could all of their peers for the different strengths that they all have.
1: Yeah, and and there are some independent schools. I think independent schools maybe they're they're beyond the shackles of of, of mm. some of the, the the remits, but they've removed GCSE. Uh, and endpoint exams, one of those I can't remember both of the names, but Minerva, um, yeah. uh, is definitely a school that's that's done that. Um, so fair play to them to to taking that step. Good and ticks. Uh It's not the first; it's the, boy, the, the the creating the dance, isn't it? The movement. Okay, key skill. What is a main skill that you think students will need for twenty forty?
2: Storytelling. Um, I just yeah, um, love, it, love it. And that and that's and that's not just the the sort of TikTok thing, but I think it's. Uh, I think honestly, and it probably comes back to the exam bit as well, is, you know, that that has so much relevance, whether you're in school, whether that's outside when you're sort of first exploring the world outside of school, but even in your personal relationships is being able to engage people and to have them appreciate your opinion. And also listening is a one, I know that's two skills, but I think listening is a very important skill as well for, for students and for all of us.
0: What did you say, sorry?
2: Just kidding, <laughs> very good. See, and I almost <laughs> fell for that, then, And <laughs> I remembered your terrible sense of humor. And yeah,
0: <laughs> sorry, sorry. Uh, last one, we'll just go with this one. Uh, what do you think is the biggest threat to the future of education? What do you think the biggest threat is?
2: Um, I would say like stagnation. Um, and it and it probably comes back a little bit to laziness of not people in schools, but maybe people outside of schools that have a perception of what education should be based upon what they went through and the kind of slightly you know sad thing for me is I feel that probably we were having this conversation 10 years ago and I'm sure people before us were having this conversation 20 years ago and 30 years ago and it's like I just think that this whole it's always been that way mantra if it doesn't change then that is a bit of a sort of threat because you know, we're only going to be preparing kids for whatever we are preparing them for, however many decades or hundreds of years ago. And I think, you know, maybe a shakeup of the curriculum, maybe some sort of shakeup of what actually matters um, in terms of output beyond exams as a as a sort of endpoint and decisive <laughs> marker in 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 everyone's life could be huge contributors. But um, but again, it requires a lot of bravery. Um, and maybe the edgy futurists are the uh, the dynamic duo to do just that. I hope so.
1: On that note, absolutely <laughs> wonderful. I think uh, myself, you, and Ben. I remember it on the BenQ stand uh, bet last year, and it doesn't. It wasn't a year ago; it was March, so nine months ago. We talked about the importance of community. Mm. We talked about how excited we are to to get you on the podcast. It's taken us nine months. We have spoken in the background. We've not just ignored John and left him <laughs> uh, just talking about community on his own. Um, you know what? An hour in the presence and an hour in the company of, of John Neal is uh, is something that uh, we really, really value. And I think everybody listening will. It's exciting. I think it's going to be a massive year of growth uh, for quizzes. What can't be grown and what can't be smashed when John Neal's at the helm. I'm, I'm excited <laughs> for it, mate. I think I, I, I can't wait. I'm excited for you and I'm excited for quizzes and in my role at Sea Learning. I'll be coming to you definitely. Yeah, um, we've talked about that. But um, no, it's been an absolute pleasure, mate. Thanks for being the the first one on the new season. Uh, I'm great, and, and and I'm excited for people to listen to it. Appreciate you uh, being kind to to being Ben in our first one back. And uh no, it's been absolutely great, uh, and, and appreciate you coming on, mate. Thanks a lot.
2: Thanks, of John. Course. Cheers, Ben. Cheers, Steve. And uh, happy new year, everyone.
1: Thank happy you. New year, mate.